I was and I've also clap, whoever that was. <laughs> I've also started recording on the Zencaster. Okay. Uh, I guess we could all listen to yeah, <laughs> George, go, Calloway, George again. Calloway again. <laughs> Did the treasurer of the Labour Party and I apologize to the right honourable lady for the language I'm about to use? Did the treasurer ask if Mr. Desmond was giving from the profits of spunk-loving sluts or Asian babes or triple X pornographic television or the profits of the Daily Star? Hello and welcome back to this bonus episode of Trash Future. Uh, we oh, said we da. were going to do oh, a da. little bit more. Oh, oh, da. Da. Oh, da. Shut up! Oh, da. Shut up! Now you've Sh- got to do it really listlessly. Yeah. Order! This is like this is like nineties yeah. order. It's like order. <laughs> Just before Burko got his groove back. <laughs> um, uh, no, so we promised you a fun episode. Uh, we are uh, we are currently going to going to do that. We have some just some some wild shit to talk about. Uh, and yeah, we're going to talk about right- spunk loving sluts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, finally. Asian babes. Asian <laughs> babes. <laughs> really, sort of um, the intensity of the uh, of the hardness of the core of the of the pornography really s- takes one big step down from spunk loving sluts to Asian babes. Uh, <laughs> mm. uh, but no, but we are. It's Riley, Milo, Usain, and Alice, and we are joined by three P Trash Future Champion. Uh, Ollie Thorne, aka Philosophy Tube. Ollie, how you doing? Very well, thanks. It is a pleasure to be back on the pod. Yeah, Philosophy Tube is also a dirty magazine. Yes, it is. It is. It is. I was also Philosophy donating Tube. those funds. <laughs> See some Philosophers Tube over here. Wow, you know, in seven years of YouTube, no one's ever made that joke. <laughs> yeah, but but did they ever not make that joke and read it into the Hansard? Mm, you know, yeah. <laughs> Parliamentary privilege is when you say the phrase "this motherfucker posting tube," and <laughs> no one can sue you. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we got a lot to get through today. Uh, but first thing, I want to do a quick hit. Uh, two quick hits. Number one. Uh, the announcement of the Trash Future Sensible Business uh, Deal of the Century Award goes to Wiz Air Abu Dhabi, the joint venture between the Hungarian low-cost character and the Abu Dhabi State Holding Company to become the UAE's sixth national airline. Such an honor. Just just barely beating out Keir Starmer saying, well, I think, I think being trans is, is good, and I think transphobia also good. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah. um, Why? There are, there are two genders, and Keir Starmer is yeah. both of them. Yeah, that, that, argu- <laughs> that, uh, that that argument has actually now uh, been purchased by the United Arab Emirates as its seventh national airline. <laughs> Keir Starmer is the national airline. One of them. He's just carrying people Emirates. on his back. Yeah, yeah. yeah mm. Absolutely. I mean, it's very prestigious to have like a, a a political leader from from another country be hired to basically put on an, a, an outfit that's nothing but different white belts and then run people around on Sharjah on his back, mm. <laughs> riding Keir Starmer like that thing from the Never Ending Story. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Uh, no, that's right. Uh, the, the United Arab Emirates addicted to buying airlines. Why does any nation need more than one? National well, maybe, Why have they done maybe this? Maybe they have one for each emirate? Because there is kind uh, of a like sovereign state thing going on there. 
I'm, I'm yeah. such a fucking dumb dumb. What is an emirate? <laughs> an emirate. An emirate is a kingdom, basically. I, I have actually been to the UAE, and I, I'm so glad they didn't ask me that when I came in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's there's going to be a, like a knowledge <laughs> test, like a life in the UAE test. Uh, uh, test on entry. Uh, the, the UAE is comprised of several United Emirates. Uh, Dubai yeah. is one, Sharjah is another, Abu Dhabi is another one. Okay. Um, You're at the yeah. border and they're like, how many Dior belts should you own? And the <laughs> is always one more than you currently own. Absolutely. I feel, I, feel like we're forget- so, uh, I feel like we're forgetting a big thing here, which is that the airline is called Wizz Air. Yeah, it's the <laughs> Hungarian <laughs> national carrier. I've, flo- I've, I've flown on Wizz Air before, going yeah, to I Romania. There. There are still uh, ashtrays in those planes. Cool. Oh, that's so uh, I mean, cool. There, there, there oh, are cool. only seven. There are seven Emirates in the United Arab Emirates. So this is this is apparently like this matches up quite well. If that's what's happening, the airline yeah, like, well, founded no, by is... Hungarian North FC guy Bajviz. <laughs> <laughs> so the thing is, it's being bought by the Abu Dhabi State Holding Company. So there are some Emirates have no airlines, and other Emirates have multiple airlines. Oh, okay. <laughs> Most efficient distribution of airlines. <laughs> Abu Dhabi and Dubai get all of them, and Sharjah gets none. There's something yeah, really uh, cursed about combo UAE Hungarian joint venture. Like nothing. Could there be a more anti-Semitic combination? <laughs> 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 Um, probably can't keep that in. What? No, it's uh, totally. That's Hungary is currently governed by a, an incredible anti-Semite. Oh, wait, yeah, and, they are. Yeah, fuck yeah. Hungary. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. True. This okay, is absolutely. You can absolutely take, keep that in. the I The other joke. The other joke that I would do. The other joke I would do that is of a kind of a. Uh, that's why I get my. Uh, that's why I get my kebabs at the Seven Eleven vibe is uh, a merger between Hungary and the UAE. What do they do? Throw the trans people out of the plane in the middle of the flight oh. Uh, uh. <laughs> oh no anyway I, I'm sorry. I, I, th- I thought i was doing a good joke and i was in fact trying to charge my samsung galaxy tab yeah uh, so anyway uh just congratulations to this bizarre joint venture of starting a new airline in an era where uh low-cost air travel is looking to be an industry of the past hmm. um but here's the other thing that's just one quick hit second quick hit uh, Keir Starmer charges, challenges Boris Johnson to a push-up contest. <laughs> yes. And Jesus just showing Christ. That we essentially, because Boris Johnson says he's fighting fit after COVID and proved it by doing a push-up in front of a journalist from, I think, the National Express. Flexos. Flexos are coming back, baby. Yeah. It was very Keir, the body Starmer. The policy equivalent of muscle confusion by saying that he, <laughs> yeah. both, he both loves trans people and transphobia. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so, and then Keir Starmer, when approached by this, said the real issue is the race to fifty, which he would gladly challenge Boris Johnson to at the next PMQs. What? What is the race to fifty? It's fifty push-ups. Fifty oh, flexos. I mean, look yeah. to be to be fair to him, like this was obviously like a joke that was uh, that he was given, and but I feel like it just comes up as very weird. It, what what I found more interesting was like when we sort of like retweeted this or we kind of just were just made jokes about it. You had all these kind of very unhinged centrists being like, uh, he was telling a joke. The left doesn't don't know how to, the left don't know what jokes are. And the thing that I came back to was, do you remember like the, the Jeremy Cor- Corbyn Ulysses thing? Hmm. Yeah. Um, and yeah. how like this same group of people went insane because they couldn't imagine Jeremy Corbyn finishing Ulysses, a book that yeah. many people have finished. Right. 
Um, I, 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 just, I just sort of like found that more interesting as like foreshadowing kind of what's to come, which is that Keir Starmer will kind of continue to say all these dumb things that he thinks are relatable, especially like at a time when, by the way, people are still dying and they're still dying at like a very high rate across like the European continent. Um, but what we're still going to get is kind of like people who still have Jeremy Corbyn living rent free in their heads. Um, and also that the left have no sense of humor. Hmm. When you said relatable, like I've just had a horrible vision of the future where relatable Keir Starmer is like waving and doing, doing like comedy pratfalls at awards ceremonies. And everyone's like making gifts of him. It's like, Oh, he's just like us. It reminds me of like Kent barbecues. I used to go to with like my, whenever my friends would invite me as like the only Brown person. And how at some point in all these barbecues, you would have dads who wear like cargo sh- shorts and the same short sleeve check shirt who would like challenge each other to like arm wrestles or who could eat the most charred meat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, this was just a thing. Another happened. one of Richard Desmond's magazines. <laughs> <laughs> you want to get Pierre uh, Novelli we- back on the pod? He is the king of charred meat. Have you ever had one of, of, of Pierre's <laughs> brides? They're ridiculous. <laughs> I once saw Pierre Novelli uh, grill. Most of like five chicken, and he was so drunk that every, it was completely burned on the outside and completely raw in the middle. Like it was incredible. He, he just wants to grill. For He's God's grill sake, guy. he is a grill. <laughs> He's grill uh, That's what yes. we call dad rare. What, what this what this reminds me of, in fact, is when Joe Biden challenged Donald Trump to an IQ test a couple weeks ago. Jesus, <laughs> it's just so. I, I'm very excited for um now for like. Now the serious left challengers have been sidelined by their own parties. Politics can go back to what it was always becoming, which was a slow transformation into sports day being carried out by a bunch of like weirdo geriatrics. That's right. Oh, yes. Awesome. It's just awesome. cringe. So cool. It's just posting cringe. Like the, the 2024 or the, the next election labor manifesto is just going to be like a list of Keir Starmer's favorite e-girls and stuff. And like. They're like a picture of him playing vintage video games in his pants and stuff like that. Just get the, the devolution oh of politics into cringe. What I would the next Tory leader to- is just jacked goofy. <laughs> what, what I would give to see Keir Starmer like fucking on a Pokemon stream. I don't. Yeah. I, I would give a lot of money to see that. Well, he's he's had a big day too because aside from like trying to triangulate on trans people, he also said that he thinks that like the Black Lives Matter movement is like. Uh, it, he it is posting cringe, is getting away from like its roots, and he doesn't have any. He said he wouldn't have any truck with trying to abolish the police. Um, so yeah, no, I, I love to, I love to have yeah. the Labour Party run by sort of like my head of year from sixth form. Well, hey, you're. I'm, I'm sensing a lot of disagreement here about some key issues uh, between you, know, you and imaginary other people and everything. So I actually have a startup that is related to this. Hmm. It, hmm. It's called Parlia, and it was a finalist in the Europa 2020 Startup Awards. Wait, is this the one that all the Nazis went to instead of Twitter? <laughs> no, it's the opposite of that. Uh oh. It is the majority of the shareholders of this company are its founders, but it's also attracted Series A from a Bloomberg control, like a Bloomberg uh, company controlled investment fund. So uh, here's a little bit of some blanking. Parlia is the blank of blank. Then you're giving us nothing. I have given you so much content. I think it's pronounced Parlia, and this is an app for pirates. <laughs> no, um, it is an. It, it, however, you have correctly identified the root of 
parlia that they're identifying of parlay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh-huh. Ollie, inc- Ollie accidentally kind of identifying a key clue about the answer. I think is it's it, parlaya um, is the Tinder of pirates. I think I think it's going to be some like lib Tinder shit where you can talk to people who only disagree with you. Alice, yes. What? Oh, God, no. no. Fuck off. <laughs> oh man, I was I I, I was going to say before like I guess it's ruined, but I was going to say that it's like a betting app where all you're allowed to do is parlay. Yeah, no, I'm totally into this. It's it's a lib danger room where you like you open your mind by like getting a guy to like call you a piece of shit for like an hour, and you just feel quite virtuous about this. This is like delivery for arguments. Uh, yeah, Ollie, 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 and Alice kind of have gotten it closest. Yeah. That's not fully it. I thought mine was going to be closest. the worst suggestion. I was going to say the Uber of Nonsing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yet, somehow, uh, like a dating app for libs to date people who disagree with them is somehow worse. So, uh, th- together, we are mapping the world's blank about everything. Opinions. It's got to be yeah. opinions. Yep, that's it. That's yeah. literally. Mm-hmm. That's literally what it is. Yeah. What Wikipedia has done for facts, we want to do for opinions. What? <laughs> what? Uh, I want to collect your opinions and just opinion. edited by the Chinese government. Wait, where are they putting the feelings? Mm. Uh, I, Wait, I, I, I don't know. This is this is this is actually the most lib stuff because if you think about how Wikipedia works, Wikipedia like is constantly being edited until there's like inferior consensus, right? And that consensus mm. is one where like you have inferior again, like like people disagreeing and people agreeing, sort of in equal measure. So if they're taking that principle and applying it to opinions, it's one where they, they're basically presuming that like the right opinion is one where everyone disagrees or like everyone is in well, conflict. I can tell you this, Hussein. The they say, of apps. Yeah, that's just Twitter. Kind of. That's just already Twitter. <laughs> Twitter without well, the fun. Here's the thing. They say Parlia is an encyclopedia of an opinion. There is a finite number of arguments about everything possible. Uh-huh, okay. <laughs> With you, with your help as contributors, we want to build this encyclopedia of all of the opinions in the world uh, that you will create every by single thinking. opinion. <laughs> yes, yes, that's the idea. Like they should bring back the Rick and Morty source. Yeah, uh, that you will create by submitting your thinking on a wide variety of different debates. An infinite number of opinions about how many genders there are. But who selects the debates? Finite. Who selects uh, like? Like ah, I just ah, I'm just so infuriated by just people like this. It's like oh, we're gonna like they are obviously gonna decide the debates, right? They're gonna be like we're gonna collect all the opinions. So straight away you've got the problem that like fucking ridiculous opinions like the Earth is flat or there's only two genders are gonna be like legitimized. But also you haven't ah, I I obviously on your app can't have the opinion that Palea is shit or like Palea should be controlled (laughs) by the workers or that Palea should be like. And under the control of the people whose opinions are fucking feeding it, whose data you're probably stealing. Jesus Christ! How long have I oh. been doing philosophy tube for people to just fucking ignore doing any philosophy? <laughs> <laughs> Every opinion about philosophy tube is stored on Parlea. Record that and stick it on Parlea and then stick it up your fucking asshole. Can I register uh, a, a, an opinion about whether or not Guy Fieri eats pussy good? <laughs> also, I meant I meant to do the like spunk loving sluts, but instead I did the uh, yeah. fake taxi one. So I fucked that up for you. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, here we go. So, uh, so here we go. I'm going to send everyone uh, a web page. Okay. Uh, so Ollie, there's yours. Wait, I hope this isn't related to the drop. No, <laughs> this is this is how they break down 
uh, oh, their man. arguments. Okay. Uh, oh, Nate, uh, tidy. Boy. I'd say please tidy this up. Oh, I. Mm-hmm. 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 I don't get paid enough to do this episode. (laughs) (laughs) The question is, the question that Riley has linked us to is, what should we use as gender-neutral pronouns for non-binary people? Yeah, so then, click on, for example, any of the... So there are little... there's There's a debate. Then there are position cards, like, we should use the already familiar they, them as a gender neutral pronoun. It should be up to the individual to decide what the pronoun would be, or we should use a, a new set of gender neutral pronoun for uh, pronouns for non-binary persons. For example, is it improper grammar to use the singular they, them? However, they've also got other ones, like, for example, how should we think about the George Floyd murder? Ooh. So, I'm, so I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this page that you sent us, right? Um, and there's like a section I think, and I don't know how to describe this because it's just like very poorly laid out, but there is one kind of selection on, I guess, like a neutral side. I'm, I'm not even sure how this works, uh-huh. but the argument that I've been asked to explore is it is improper grammar to use a singular they, them. So I click explore and there's one of the quote proponents called Ben Zimmerman who says, so if people have trouble now, it's understandable because when we're dealing with something as fundamental as a pronoun. Changes like this might seem to go against people's deeply held feelings about how language works. Um, so, we've wow. taken this, so we've taken this from like a Time article, right? So it's not mm-hmm. even like one of their contributors. They've basically just sourced something from another article while like trying to, by all, but while also purporting that that's not the right way to kind of get your opinions. But it's also basically yeah. kind of giving this very disturbing kind of pastel neutralized look at what is effectively like a very bad faith argument that is guised that is like not even guys it's just it's just shrouded in um like pseudo intellectualism so here's another one how do we think about removing controversial statues in the u.s is the question the position we must not remove these statues one of the arguments that supports the position is the statue removal movement is an attempt to erase white history. Dun, 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 dun. Awesome. Wow. I, I, love to, I love to be asked, uh, how many people died in the Holocaust and get six million different answers, 5,999,000 of which are wrong? Here's like one of the things. <laughs> Sorry, do you, do you want to continue? Or I These days, if you say you're a statue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thing so is, I, uh, I just I despair. Yeah. I really do. I despair that people just do not think that there is any other way to frame questions. So like I'm looking at this one, what should we use as gender neutral pronouns for non-binary people? And by the third word, what should we? Immediately you have presumed that non-binary people are not in this conversation, or that mm-hmm. if they are, then their then their opinions are like just another opinion in the sea of opinions. Like I just what, the question could be: It could be like, is it acceptable to misgender non-binary people? Like, what about why haven't you framed it that way? And just like, I, I despair at people's just complete inability to think about thinking. It's honestly one of the most yeah. maddening parts of my job. Well, here's what they say when they think about thinking: They say parlia is a tool for civil discourse. <laughs> it's very <laughs> civil to ask to say it's improper grammar to use singular they them. I know. Uh, so, Polly like, is a tool for the creators of Polly to pretend that they are taking part in civil discourse. What it is is a tool for wasting my fucking time. Can I, can <laughs> I just say something about this? Very Polly. Okay. Ollie, did I not tell you this would make sh- steam shoot out of your ears? You did. You have picked the startup. I have never been angry at a TF startup the way I am about this. Can I just say something quickly about this? 
So, uh-huh, go ahead. So they've said that this is a tool for civil discourse, and the way that they framed it is like the Wikipedia of commentary or the, the Wikipedia yeah. of opinions. So yes. we already established that they don't understand how Wikipedia works and how facts are sort of like how the facts that are put into the Wikipedia encyclopedia go through all these like changes, but those changes aren't just like, oh, we found some information in this article, so we're just going to add it in or take it away. Like there is a process in which that is like vetted and checked and rechecked and that kind of goes on in perpetuity, which is why Wikipedia um, contributors are often like very bizarre people who are very obsessive about things and very obsessive about like the intricacies of particular details, which opinion doesn't lend itself to. But the point or they, are, I, or they are state-sponsored actors from the Chinese government. Or that, yes. Or that. <laughs> or they're Robert, I'm, or looking, they're I'm looking in the philosophy category, and I'm doing this to hurt you personally, Ollie. Um, and I, I'd like to like read you some questions, which are like the vibe is either farce or fascism, right? Uh, so, question one. Is Thanos really a villain? Question two. Is Salafi Islam compatible with secular Western cultures? Jesus. Is Salafi Islam compatible with Thanos? A much better question. Question three. Oh, it is. <laughs> There's more? <laughs> question three. Is Paul McCartney dead? <laughs> <laughs> I got some big well, opinions is he? on that one. And question with Salafi Islam. No, no question Keir Starmer being like, well, some people say that Paul McCartney's dead and some don't, and I'm convinced that there's a oh. way forward if we stop throwing Oh, no, 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 no. There, there are three possible sets of answers for what? is Paul McCartney dead? Three? Three? There are only two possible answers. Oh, no, he was no, never no, real. No. Sweet, he was never you real. Sweet summer child. Uh, answer set number one Yes, Paul is dead. Paul McCartney has been replaced with a lookalike in order to maintain the success of the Beatles. Possible okay. answer number two No, Paul McCartney is not dead. Paul McCartney can't be dead. He's playing Glastonbury next year. Or option three, the Keir Starmer paradigm, the Beatles have metaphorically died. The oh, Beatles. Wow. This is actually like Sartre energy, like, but what the, does it mean to be alive? Huh? The Beatles died on November 6th, 1966, the day John Lennon met Yoko Ono. That oh, is actually right. what it says on the fucking website. The day that guys stop being dudes. That's yes. right. That was the day that guys were not allowed to be dudes, and it was before 1984. It was a, it was a, it was foreshadowing mm. that moment. So I think this yeah, website just, is the. I think I found my nemesis. I think Parlier is like the anti-philosophy tube. This is like the, they're like they've tried to create an equally powerful but opposing force. I mean, like one day, one day, someone and that contributor might be me might kind of upload an opinion along the lines of, "Does Ollie Fawn have uh, body hair? Yes, no, mm-hmm. or is the body hair more metaphorical?" <laughs> so, it's an oddly this specific is what they say. question. He's saying, <laughs> this, is, "This is what they say." So, they said, "Debate and argument is how we build our values." Uh, no, it's not. At scale, it is how we decide what kind of states we want to live in. Argument is the foundation stone of democracy. The- yeah, I'm sure. As- as we as we go into like some of the uh, the details of like how Tory ministers uh, react to like 
what things get built, how money gets spent on. Yes, argument definitely the foundation okay. stone of that. I have, I have I have two more of these because I keep opening them because I can't I, okay. because I enjoy hurting myself. First of all, <laughs> the first thing I'd like to observe is that the question is Thanos really a villain in the philosophy section has two answers, which you will note is one fewer than is Paul McCartney dead? <laughs> <laughs> yes or no? Uh, and like also, it's a simple this, uh, binary question. Oh yeah, Th this is this is a question. This is a question that I, I'd like. I'd like to present Ollie with just again. I, I as sadism on my part. The question is, what are the best research philosophies in academia? The term research philosophy refers to a system of beliefs and assumptions about the development of knowledge. Uh, scholars have identified five of the most prominent research philosophies in academia, however choosing one is a matter of debate, and then it makes you choose between critical realism, positivism, postmodernism, interpretivism, and pragmatism. Good god. Mm. Just, just Jesus Christ. Like... <laughs> <laughs> no, you have to pick one. They're, they're all yeah. color-coded and everything. I'm going to yeah, pick the one yeah, with my favorite the, color, obviously. Well, uh, critical <laughs> realism is brown, positivism is red, postmodernism is like a, a kind of pink, interpretivism is purple, and pragmatism is blue. Well, I'm going to go for the purple one. Shit, interpretivism. Interpretivism yeah. wins, that's, that's it. That's, that's I mean, the that's, I guess you could say it wins. Uh, <laughs> plus battle philosophy royale too. of the uh, <laughs> academic <laughs> philosophy styles. <laughs> So, uh, and they say that their main benefit is that they're presenting all of these quite heated debates in calm, descriptive, dispassionate language. After all, it's hard to listen to someone's opinion when they're shouting at you. You know, like how they'll if be like, "This is how they will vary." Like yeah. as it does, should transgender people use the bathroom that matches their identity? And you have an option that says no, they shouldn't. Then it doesn't matter how calmly you're asking it; that you are presenting that answer is a form of aggression in itself. So here's the thing. Uh, I have some QAs with the founders that are also going to oh, really. Uh, it is one of the cues. Uh, is Paul McCartney dead? Yes, no, or metaphorically? Are <laughs> <laughs> uh, transgender you... people Paul McCartney? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, metaphorically, I'm allowed to use the bathroom that matches my uh, my felt gender. The three genders: <laughs> live, dead, and metaphor. Yeah. No, be, being this me being arrested outside Paul McCartney's house. You don't understand. I'm allowed to use that bathroom. <laughs> it's the only one I can use. Uh, so this is from QAs with the founders. Question one: How are you going to distinguish opinions from facts? Oh, whoa! Uh, and they answer this. Hmm. They answer this in like like two sentences. So Ollie, sorry if I've um you know uh made your whole whole channel obsolete. Answer: We think opinions and facts are different. While Parlia's role is to platform all the common opinions and arguments about a given question, our community will always flag matters of fact. If sizable groups of people believe the Earth is flat, we will need to show that, but we will also need to say it is wrong. So you are actually going to be deciding what's opinion and what's fact, because to them, that's opinion, but you're saying that opinion is factually wrong, but you're saying that everyone should come to agree on what's opinion and what's fact, even though you seem to be blurring the lines. And also, fuck you saying that uh, Parley's role is to platform all the common opinions and arguments. You made it up! Yeah, this is a thing that you decided. You decided to ask the question, uh, in the, again, in the philosophy section, who is the most powerful person of all time? Yeah. 
Uh, mm. just, that's just, oh, re- that's the, just the Reddit answers, talking about who would win. The answers, and I, 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 I need to like put one hand on my echo dial for reasons you will hear later. Uh, okay, so I'm reading through these answers. Um, Mark Zuckerberg. Mm-hmm. Okay, weird. Fine. Oh, I'm I'm very uncomfortable with where I think this is Genghis going. Genghis Khan. <laughs> okay. 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 Better. Emperor Ashoka. Okay. All right. Fine. Mahatma Gandhi. <laughs> what? Up? Interesting. Uh, the American public, which is a like a fucking uh, t- yeah. Time Magazine ass answer, or <laughs> this is such a good website. Or Maya, Maya Rothschild. Rothschild. Whoa. Oh, Jesus Christ. Because they just let anyone put one of these up. Yeah. So, my goodness, will it, you be getting some yeah, strange yeah. conspiracy? Uh, just, uh, yeah. The most powerful person of all time. I'm calling it is now. Is Australia uh, real? The next, <laughs> the next Jordan Peterson is already posting on this website. I, yeah. every, every, time, every time we try to move on, I open a new category. Okay. Well, please, please stop doing that, because we do need to move well, what's on. What's the turn? How do they make money? Like, well, I'm gonna get yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the, how how so are they I, like secretly I, I, harvesting your brain or something? Well, so there's a couple more Q and A's that I will, I will, I will answer that final Q. Uh, what is the advantage of having one place featuring finite numbers of opinions, and what are the dangers? Other than you know the wild anti-Semitism <laughs> that, that we just <laughs> fucking heard. Yeah. Other than just yeah, it being a. Allow you being allowed to basically say yes. Uh, white lives matter. Also, the Rothschilds, the most powerful people in history. Like, don't definitely no problems with this app. Uh, no, so they say unlike facts, ideas exist in relation to each other. Ollie, what do you think wow. about that? What? What? Say it again. <laughs> unlike facts, ideas exist in relation to each other. <laughs> uh, I don't also. even. That phrase is just like sliding off my brain. I can hardly hold it. Like, what does that even mean? Well, it says it makes sense to bring all ideas together under one roof because it makes them easier to understand in context and because it makes it easier to see how ideas cluster. There's a peculiar overlap, for example, between views on Brexit and views that the lockdown, uh, views on the lockdown that is interesting to explore. Oh, video games art. The danger mm. of Parlia is that we'll be we will be platforming some terrible ideas, like several we've read out just yeah, now. Just, yeah, literally. <laughs> like like video games being art. <laughs> <laughs> how so uh, and then they say how we manage that will be critical, such as flagging misinformation and flagging offensive content, which has definitely worked for other platforms that have done stuff like this. Yeah, yeah okay. well, at least uh, they're aware of that. Can I flag the whole site as offensive content? <laughs> uh, Intellectually why offensive. Would you, this is like Why? the inside of Brendan O'Neill's brain. Yes. Just like it's a billion different ideas, all like fractally working out into the most contrarian take until you get to something that like even leaving aside the virulent anti-Semitism, right? You get to something as contrarian as who's the most powerful person in the world? The American public. And he's like writing right. all the opinions on a bit of glass, like Russell Crowe in A Beautiful Mind. And yes. it's all like, ooh, and then it like zooms out, and then he's, he's just like drawn a picture of a bathroom that someone's not being allowed in. But let's also <laughs> get real here. Like, Brendan O'Neill is not this stupid. Like, this is. This is <laughs> like, Brendan O'Neill believes you can know for a fact whether or not Paul McCartney is dead. 
Like, Brendan O'Neill is not like a child who has been kept in a darkened room for his entire life. Just like, uh, this is this is this is a thing that I've decided to do now. Right? Is for the rest of the episode, at times that I think are opportune, while you move on, I will simply ask, apropos of nothing, a question that I have found on Palia. Oh, and I've ruined the podcast forever. Yes, yes, you uh, have. I'm going to do, do so. They base this is why he created it because this was a liberal whose brain was broken by Brexit. He says, in the aftermath of 2016, Brexit, Trump, Renzi, where billions of words arguing for one side or another were spilled across all media types, billions it struck me that there is... Spilled. <laughs> yeah. It finally struck me. Yeah, fucking, fucking great sentence, dude. Yeah. It finally struck me that there is, in fact, a very limited number of arguments and opinions on any side of any debate. That and could possibly be a... Bo- on whether or not Paul <laughs> <laughs> But also, that couldn't... That- that couldn't possibly be some other kind of structural limitation. No, it's a category of knowledge. There's a certain limitation on the number of opinions you can have about anything. This don't ask me what structures it. Oh, oh my god, what's gay? The, the lead, the lead on this one reads like um like a fucking clickbait, like on fucking helium. Who is Prince Philip? Is the question. Like. <laughs> Who yeah. is he? Is that, uh, but wait, the, lead, is of- the lead is the controversial figure is known as much for his controversial comments as loyalty to queen and country. But who really is he? An ancient deity? A hideous racist? Or a simple family man and national treasure? We sort of, we sort of know, <laughs> what, we, we sort of know where this is all heading to, by the way. We all sort of know that this is heading to a Parley post, Parlia post, which is, who is Jeffrey Epstein? Uh, and one of the options will be like um, a businessman who is down on his luck. Yeah, and one of them is like metaphorically, <laughs> he's still alive. The thing is, I can yeah. I can see how it could actually be quite useful to map out who holds different opinions. Like he, the founder noted that there's overlap between opinions on the lockdown and opinions on Brexit. It could be quite useful to map that stuff. It's called mm-hmm. polling. Yeah, yeah, alternatively, you just find an opinion and then you click through and you see who else they're following on Twitter. Like, that's how you do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Jeffrey Epstein no, no, was no, murdered he- by Yoko Ono, who was <laughs> hiding in the book depository. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the thing, right, Ollie? Um, you could do that, but that wouldn't make this company any money. So, nothing sorry. they do will make them any money. Oh. Oh, no, of course not. But at least they do have a business model. Oh. But no, he says, uh, most of my friends could list the reasons for and against Brexit on the back of an envelope. There has been so much repetition, rhetoric, and wasted time with no visible improvement on the quality of the debate. So Is I thought a hot if I could dog map- a sandwich. Yeah. So I thought if I could map the arguments around Bre- oh, left Twitter got on there. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so I thought if I could map the arguments around Brexit, then I could map the arguments around abortion. I could map the arguments for and against belief in, in the existence of God. And I imagined Parlia. Should Wait, white people is- have dreadlocks? Okay, so like what this is- guy's cocaine dealer has a lot to answer for. <laughs> uh, allegedly. Allegedly. Uh, so, what's the, so what's the business model? This is from TechCrunch. Well, it could potentially carry ad sponsorship, membership, and user donations. Its real value oh, no. is data. Oh, no. If they get it right, they will have surfaced foundational information about the wa- very ways people think. Oh, no. Oh, oh, well, that's actually better than what I thought, which was I thought they were just going to allow brands to put, like, is Coke the best possible drink yes or yes 
<laughs> so the temptation is, of course, to allow bias to creep in for commercial deals. But say the founders, we will never work with political parties. And we will set up our own ethical advisory board. Our vaccine safe. Hire me for your ethical mm. advisory board now. Hire me now. <laughs> my fees are £100,000 an hour. And my number one and only recommendation is resign and shut up. <laughs> Pay me, you pigs. But that understanding should be of value to market researchers and institutions everywhere. So basically, they're going to be like, which, which of the favorite so what, what is the soda of the White Lives Matter movement? You can answer that question by using Parlia. Cool. Is, is psychology a real science? So you no. have to, I'm uh, noticing from the thing that you have to log in. So this is a way of, this is actually just a way of, of like sending, it's, it's a targeted advertising thing. So they're building a profile, they'll connect it to your other accounts, I assume, so that people can send you targeted advertisements, like Facebook does by targeting people by political group. No, I don't think they, they I don't think they'll send you advertisements. I think oh, what they'll, they'll do is to, they'll use yeah. you, they'll use you to build profiles of consumers and then they'll be able to say, uh, you know, like Fanta is the soda of the White Lives Matter movement. Mm. Allegedly, yeah. Mm. No, I don't. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, the Nazis no, invented yeah. it, so that kind of makes sense. <laughs> I was going to say um, it might. If, if, yeah, if you think that Yoko Ono really did uh, kill Thanos, then uh, <laughs> you, would, you would you would love to drink some Monster Energy Zero. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Paul McCartney is metaphorically dead thanks to Yoko Ono. Is a Monster Energy ass opinion. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that's Parlia. I don't know how much it's worth, uh, but. Is getting funding and winning startup awards for that. Were the moon landings faked? Completely mm. asinine idea. Are vaccines safe? Do cell phones cause cancer? Are the Kardashians Jenner's feminists? When wow. when am I yeah, gonna well, hey, when am I what? gonna win a startup award? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh I just no no mindful of time, I want to move on uh, to talk about a couple of um Couple of conservative ministers in a little bit of hot water. Couple of guys who are up to no good. Uh, so the first is Matt Hancock. Uh, uh, not related to this one, clubbing sluts drop. Yeah, no, sorry. He would um, never do that. We'll get that. I'm putting a marker down on this one. Matt Hancock will never be involved in any kind of personal scandal. Uh, oh, uh, I'm sex sorry. Because this is a personal scandal that I'm about don't to explain. Don't care. Don't care. It was this. I. I am. I'm like a Matt Hancock irredentist. Yeah. This. This is fake. It's like his assistant. I don't know. Not possible. Log logging on to Parlia and asking exactly. if Matt Hancock. Metaphorically, metaphorically, Matt Hancock's record is unblemished. Mm. So basically. Uh, it's come out that he has repeatedly uh, urged fellow conservative ministers to block a plan to build 400 homes in a primary school in his constituency, claiming it would damage the horse racing industry um, because many people in the horse in the horse race uh, industry leading the opposition to the scheme made considerable financial donations to him. He's in the pocket of Big Amazing. Horse. <laughs> eating, from the, eating from the salt lick of Big Horse. <laughs> Drinking... Drinking from the cum tube of Big Stud. He's just like meeting in a car park with a horse in a trench coat. <laughs> Two horses on top of each other. Uh, Two guys from the horse racing industry who are dressed as a pantomime horse. <laughs> um, and he, in fact, does have a horse named Dick. 
Bunk loving slut. <laughs> you know, I've, uh, I've often said, as Ronald Reagan said, that there's nothing better for the inside of a man than the outside of a horse. So mm. uh, he he said uh, he, fit, uh, he recently finished uh, first place on his horse Dick Doughty Wiley on Newmarket's July course uh, uh, eight years ago. Why for a dog riding a horse? Wait, do you guys know who Doughty Wiley is? What? No. no. Doughty, Doughty, well, I mean, I, there can only have been one man who was ever called Doughty Wiley, surely. Doughty Wiley was a guy who was awarded the Victoria Cross in the First World War for beating to death a record number of Turks <laughs> with his walking stick as an infantry <laughs> officer at Gallipoli. He famously somehow reversed the function of a revolver and a walking stick where his, his tactic <laughs> in rooms was to kick open the door, fire his revolver in the air to scare the Turks, and then set about them with his walking stick. <laughs> he eventually expired at the top of the hill. He'd been shot like nine times. <laughs> they don't make they don't make army officers like this anymore. No. Just yeah, someone who made Lieutenant Colonel Charles Hotham Montague Richard, Doughty Wiley VCCBCMG. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's the new alphabet uh, that, that we're going to Im- implement. This man's so, uh, brow Han- looks like a bowler hat. So, <laughs> Hancock has been accepting donations, including hospitality, from senior figures in the horse racing industry since he was first elected MP, including car badges and car passes for the new market races, and honorary membership of the prestigious jockey club rooms worth over £1,300. So, are we cool. saying that Matt Hancock is a horse girl? Uh, Matt Hancock is a horse girl, and here was his here is his argument that this was not improper that he his influence wasn't being bought by the horse racing industry for like I don't know not very much money. Yeah, that's the worst bit is that it's not and all of, you 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 tried to convince you tried to convince government ministers to oppose building homes and schools, and all it took was thirteen hundred pounds. No, no, sorry, Ollie, not even thirteen hundred pounds. It took a membership to a prestigious private members club in Newmarket, but worth thirteen hundred pounds. But, but a jockey club, so like you go in there and it's it's like it's like the Hobbit houses, like it's got a really low, <laughs> silly, like tiny, <laughs> tiny furniture. Imagine like Matt Hancock sitting on a tiny chair for a child drinking yeah, out of a tiny delightful. cup. I'm not really even nice. mad about this. Fuck a school. I don't oh, give no. a shit. Oh no. Yeah, no, I'm with Alice on this. I'm not mad about it. I just think it's funny that uh, his price is so low. Mm. And also, the, his um, his spokesman stood by his interventions in opposition to the development, pointing out that he received financial donations from a racehorse owner called Bill Gredley, who supported the scheme. So he was neutral. Cool. Mm. I've Look, I've received political donations from both the kind of people whose opinions matter, which is people involved in horses. Look, I right? checked it out on yeah. Parlia, and there were, there were three possible opinions, horse racing, no horse racing, and metaphorical horse racing, and everyone has donated to my campaign. Uh, I think Gredley if all these the- horse racing uh, owners could stop chucking bricks at each other, we could find a way forward. Bradley <laughs> told the Guardian he supported the scheme in a personal capacity and not representing the horse racing industry because quote he felt the people of Newmarket could have some houses. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Like, Thank you. Thank you, horse lord. <laughs> uh, my, my liege, the, the Lord of Horse, you, you bestow upon your adorable. Rohan has built four hundred homes in a primary school. Yeah. It just it just everyone around Matt Hancock just turns into Matt Hancock. Yeah. Because that's 
Matt Hancock Parkour was given like, like a lorry load of wattle and daub as a bribe. Why are politicians <laughs> allowed to know who donates to them? Why isn't it just the rule that like donations are anonymous? And then yeah, you can be like Rohan, Lord of the Horses, and you can donate as much money as you want. But the politician's never going to know who you are, so there's no chance of them being influenced. Well, like we're we're gonna we're gonna get to why it's necessary as we get to the bottom of the main meat of this section, okay. which is of Fun course the loving Forty-five <laughs> minutes in, listener, you finally find out what that is. Yeah, yeah we've been. Yeah, just like why we have a drop of the, George Galloway, uh, late of this parish, saying the words "spunk loving sluts." Yeah. So Robert George Jenrick Galloway and Richard. Dead? Uh, <laughs> in my in metaphorically, metaphorically, he died. He died for me when he did that <laughs> thing with Ruler Lensko and Celebrity Big Brother. <laughs> okay, so, explain, explaining what's going on here, which is that Robert Jenrick, who is the Minister of Housing, Communities, and Local Government, has been embroiled in this fracas involving Richard Desmond. The former publisher of the Daily I'm Express and many softcore porn magazines where he originally made his fortune, including Asian Babes, Honey Housewives, Mega Boobs. <laughs> <Hot> <laughs> I love when I get, get a Mega Boobs down to London from Glasgow because I don't want to get the train. Mega, mega Boobs is just a convenient shorthand for 1,000 boobs. <laughs> mega Boob, Posh Wives, and. Cool. Cool. Skinny and wriggly, which I imagine is describing some kind of like that, rock band. That is an old many... task name. Is it one magazine, Skinny and Wriggly, or is it two no, magazines, no, like, one called Skinny and one skinny, called Wriggly? I'm... And a second magazine called Wriggly. Oh, this is why you need to like do the semicolon at the end of a list. The Oxford comma is a fucking bane. Yeah. I'm very sure that uh, my introduction to porn came from a Richard Desmond magazine because my dad used to sell them. In his store, I, that, that was going to go in a very different place, but um, <laughs> because my dad was in there, <laughs> but I, I, had like, I was doing like paper rounds and stuff, so people would like order specific things, and my dad was always like, "Well, here's your stack of skinny and wriggly." When I allow you people are dogs, just his dad going full memory TV. <laughs> when, when, when 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 Riley said posh wives, like this kind of bell rang in my head, and I was just like, "Fuck, I remember that." So, oh no. You, dinner bell. You've yeah. had a fucking Proustian revelry about <laughs> yeah. fucking posh wives. Alice, did you just say Proustian revelry? Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I'm gonna eat so many fucking uh, Madeleines. This is the most fucking this is the most fucking Oxbridge attempt at an own I've heard in my fucking yeah. life. I, I, I was gonna say on Alice's thing that like I feel like my introduction to Posh Wives when I was like maybe eight or nine years old may may kind of tell may be very telling of why I am not doing this podcast right now. Yeah, it's it's how you became so normal is <laughs> yeah. is seeing uh skinny and wriggly um Asian ba- mega boobs. Mega boobs is my yes. favorite. Is it just page after page of impossibly huge boobs? How do you find twelve <laughs> issues a year? You know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna live dangerously, and I'm gonna Google mega boobs as one word. Uh, Google it on search it on Wow, how, she, how, she's like a back brace or something. Uh, this so uh, <laughs> the next paragraph. Women. I mean, the next, <laughs> the next paragraph oh, was there's, written there's a in a cover. Uh, oh no. I'm gonna I'm gonna post this Whoa. in Yeah, I'm gonna post this in the Zencaster chat. 
Okay. Okay. It's less. It's it's powerfully unerotic. Is the thing I would oh, say. Yeah, that's yeah. that's what surprised no me. Is it? No, there's there's like it's it's like two two orbs, right? But like mm. it, it, it like concealed with latex in like a way where it's like. I know oh, it wow. looks. It, it looks deeply unerotic. It looks like an album cover yeah. from. Yeah, it's like this, is, this is an album cover for like something they would play in a club you go to, right? It, it also <laughs> advertises yes, that right. one of the models in it is called Summer Cummings, so I presume is a relation of Dominic Cummings. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, uh, Alice, I would. This would probably, if this was going to be in a club I would go to, there would be a lot more black and gray. Uh, in the color scheme of the outfit and the makeup, uh, Milo. Anyway. I think Summer Cummings is his dead name. so uh this was written in tribune uh around this whole scandal by friend of the show jaunty lebowitz Uh, so i I keep finding covers i found another one Uh, a mega boobs all color special and the the, it wasn't often all color no apparently not this is like a real fucking like black and white fucking yeah it's absolute like uh, filth, right? Like, but like the text on this is like a short erotic story. So, like, the, there's a picture of a lady with her boobs, her mega boobs, and then the text is: the maid was in the parlor hanging out her bras with a grocer's apostrophe. They each contained a D with apostrophes cup that would hold the planet Mars. Okay, that's a now that, look that, that inside. Only... Now look inside this magazine to get a view of those and those. And those, and then my favorite thing: so little time, full stop. So many boobs. No full stop after so many boobs. Also, no, it just FYI. just just so little time, so many it's boobs. Like poetry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's only so one ninety nine. Also, this is a U.S. special. This is a U.S. special, but the rhyme of bras and Mars only really works in a British accent. Who would who would want a boob the size of Mars? Like, kind of, <laughs> I don't know, gravitationally, like, yeah. you have to experience this boob through the Hubble telescope. Like, that's the so, so, uh, the, I, uh, this is the, the just capsule definition of what's going on, uh, in this scandal written by friend of the show, John T. Leibowitz in Tribune. Uh, I'll link the uh, article in the episode. Yeah. How do we get Forgive onto me? boobs? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Forgive me oh, if you've heard this one before. Oh. <laughs> Forgive me if you've heard that one before. A billionaire property developer sits down to a millionaire cabinet minister at a dinner. The developer shows the minister a promotional video for his latest multi-billion pound oh, project. Unclubbing sluts. He, he just Weeks later, the like centerfold of mega boobs. Weeks later, after a number of texts and emails are exchanged, the minister personally intervenes in the planning process to fast track this development, overruling his own departmental planning inspectors and the local authority in question, both of which had vetoed the original application. This decision saves the developer forty-five million uh, pounds in community infrastructure tax. Twelve days later, uh, the developer quietly donates twelve thousand pounds to the minister's political party. That's what happened. Well, it's it's ten times the uh, the bribery that Matt Hancock gets bought for, right? Yeah, mm. like that is how you do corruption. You take tens of thousands of pounds well, from a pornographer. Ten of thousands you, of pounds. Take, well, you take <laughs> thousands of pounds from a pornographer, not just like a cup of tea for some from jockeys. Yeah. No, no, no uh, Robert Jenrick yeah, turned the down the offer of sitting at a tiny table and chair and enjoying the <laughs> very small teacup. Uh, I, I have the actual messages that were sent after a oh, uh, Conservative Party ball up. in November. Yeah, this is going to uh, be the worst texts we've read since Derek Mackay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, um, so this, Robert this is Jenrick. 2019, is it? This is yeah, this is 20 November 2019. 
Uh, Robert Jenrick, good time. Good to spend time with you tonight, Richard. See you again soon, I hope. Robert Jenrick. Thanks, Robert. Okay. I really appreciate your text. We'll call your office tomorrow to arrange. Very best, Richard. <laughs> I'd like that. See you soon, Robert. Very, very normal. Just a two, two yeah. lads so yeah, far. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then is there a November winky face employed at any point? Uh, <laughs> no, so far, so far this is all like like Richard Desmond is the like the fat pornography dude from Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels made flesh, right? Okay, and so I'll, he, I'll give him a bit of a different voice in that case. Yeah, yeah. November November twentieth. Uh, this is, starts with uh, so with you, Richard. Your efficient PA has arranged a meeting for nineteenth <laughs> December at ten thirty a.m. for meet and site visit. Good news! I'm finally, sorry. the inspector's reports have gone to you today. We appreciate the speed, as we don't want to give Marxists loads of dough for nothing. We all want to go with the scheme, <laughs> the social housing we propose, and spend a month at the Marxist town hall debating. Thanks again. All my best, Richard. Thanks I'm again. All my love. Marxist Dave. We've got fucking Dave Courtney doing it. <laughs> <laughs> We had to give the Marxists a fucking clump. <laughs> he also, when he says give the Marxists loads of dough, he spells dough D-O-E, which I, yeah, I realise is like American liberal chuckling as a joke, but I do love yeah. the idea of Richard Desmond using his porn money to like back up a, a tipper truck full of deer. Mm. <laughs> so, uh, Richard, as Secretary of State, it is important not to give any appearance of being influenced by applicants of cases that I may have a role in or to have predetermined them. And so I think it is best if we don't meet until after this matter has been decided <laughs> one way, uh, one way of another. And I can't provide any advice to you on that other than I can say I will receive advice from my officials after the general election, assuming I remain in office and will consider it carefully in accordance with the rules and guidance. It would be I illegal for me to do crimes. <laughs> I hope that is okay, and we can meet to discuss other matters soon, hopefully in the 19th. Robert. Absolutely understood. I'm tapping the side of my nose. Look forward to meeting on the 19th to celebrate the big majority. Best, Richard. Uh, December 13th, day after election. Robert, fantastic uh, day today. So happy and relieved, as the whole country is. Well done for keeping calm. Looking forward to next Thursday. Are you coming here to our offices at 10.30am, and then we'll all go down to Westfree together? Please let me know soon as. So thanks, nice. Richard. So nice. I'm afraid. Thanks, Richard. I'm afraid Thursday doesn't work for me now, as I'm likely to be at the Queen's speech in Parliament. Hopefully, we meet up soon, and I will look at the advice regarding the application this week. Speak before Xmas, oh, and then he left him on red. Oh, yeah. cruel! Ooh. this is like that Scottish um, minister who was messaging that boy. It's just sad. Yeah, yeah it's just like, <laughs> hey, no. uh, hey, hey, hey. Do you like rugby? Do you like? Do, do you, you like, like mega being improperly? Do you do you like being improperly influenced? <laughs> listen, listen, Jenrick, you fucking toilet. There's gonna be there's gonna be some trouble if you if you don't sort out this housing development, mate. Do you do you like it when your ass is not full of five hundred flat nosed geezers who are wider than they are tall? Because I I think you're not gonna like it, son. When they come around there, if you're in need of a fucking good hiding, I can tell you. There are some people in my employ who are more than happy to give you a clump. <laughs> no, uh, Richard Desmond, once more, please. On the 23rd of December. Morning, Robert. How does the advice look? We have to get the approval before January 15th, otherwise payment of £45 million to Tower Hamlets meaning we have to stop and reduce social housing. Thanks, Robert. Look forward to speaking soon. <laughs> uh, 
Robert Jenrick then, without saying anything, approves the development, uh, ale- uh, apparently and allegedly ignoring the advice of the civil service and all of his staff who were like, do not approve this. Uh, two weeks after receiving a 12,000 pound donation from Desmond. Cool. Mm. Yeah. I bet they had a lot uh, to talk about about unrelated yeah. masses at that would, one meeting. Who would, yeah. who would win a hundred civil servants or one giant clump from Richard Desmond? Yeah, <laughs> it, you can you can ask that on Parlia. Yeah, uh, Richard, I hope to his OnlyFans. Yeah, Richard, I hope you understood that I could not speak with you or have contact whilst I was making my decision with respect to the planning application at Westbury. I totally understand why we we could not have contact with you. I've now pushed the button on a further six hundred million pound investment at the development as a result of the decision, enabling the social housing and market housing to more than double together with the delivery of the magnificent new school, etc., etc. This will create thousands of jobs pretty much straight away. Now we're moving ahead. Would you like to visit the site in March? I would be happy to visit and see progress as a development, as it develops, having not ever been unduly influenced by you. Great. Have a nice weekend. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I, I added that oh, okay. last bit. There were no crimes here. <laughs> uh yeah uh so then this obviously like this obviously leaked and then labor pushed this uh and asked how ordinary members of the public can influence planning decisions in the same way R- richard desmond was able to business minister nadim zawi said they should go to conservative party fundraisers and talk to tory mps oh, they just let you in i guess awesome. yeah <laughs> very cool well, I, I, it's Basically, like, look, if you want, if you want to, like, get a, a, a society structured in ways that are your interests, you should first start by not being poor. Yeah. I mean, honestly, yeah, like, so- Trash Future to get a table at the next uh, Conservative Party fundraiser. We could do that. Uh, so That's a new uh, Patreon Zowie- goal. Yeah. Yeah. So how he actually says, if people it's go like, to a fundraiser. currently in Durham. Five people go, I fucking knew it. <laughs> if people go to a fundraiser in their local area, say Doncaster, for the Conservative Party, they'll be sitting next to MPs and other people in their local authority and can interact with different parts of that authority. I love to interact uh, with different parts of authority, yeah. such as the mega and, boobs. And, and Conservative MP Nicola Richards followed up by saying it is wrong for the opposition to criticize the actions of Robert Jenrick during a global pandemic. What? <laughs> <laughs> Cool. He didn't even undertake these actions during a pandemic. What the fuck are you talking about? He's the yeah. first minister well, for communities. What the fuck yeah, does well, that sorry. have to do with I think it's a, it's a very rare Robert Jenrick for this because he's a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's actually sexist ra- it's a- because he gives jobs to a lot of women. It's very rare, uh, but a real center of coronavirus uh, that you can be uh, unduly influenced in making a planning application for a development uh, by a billionaire porn baron. Yeah, a symptom of coronavirus is that you become at- drawn to mega boobs inexorably. It's a disease, <laughs> and you know it's a twelve-step program. With with all of this out, Boris Johnson says he considers the matter closed and that Jedrick has been cleared of all wrongdoing. Which means to me that the strategy what? is what just. Be corrupt and then explain in, in well, detail and publish all the evidence of your corruption and claim it exonerates if you. If it worked once, then yeah. fucking why not? Consequences are fake. Yeah, yeah, j- yeah, exactly. That's just it. Uh, there is, there's basically, they could be like, no, look, I, I, look, I know. You it's, don't understand. I, I, he gave him a lot of money. What do you want me to be a liar and not give uh you know Mr. Mr. Desmond what he like got with this twelve thousand pounds? No. It's so oh, oh, would you prefer if I built a huge horse instead? Is that what you want? <laughs> would you like me to have taken the money from the huge horse guy with the horse porn magazine? Because I could have taken his money. It's so <laughs> it's so like it's so 
frustrating to me that that creators like us, like podcasters and YouTubers, have to be more transparent about our finances and like just like so transparent, even to the point where I have got in trouble in the past for illegally breaking contract to disclose how much I was paid for a brand deal. And I ended up getting blacklisted by a bunch of marketing agencies. But like it's so frustrating to me that we all have to be so careful with our finances and, and the way that we relate to our audiences. But like fucking government, like actual government. It's just like publishing open evidence of corruption and there's just no there's no consequences at all. Mm. Like wh- like when, when are several thousand map. people gonna just be like tweeting this porn baron and this and this Tory MP just being like, What have you done? Like where where's the consequences? Well simply what uh, what you have to do is do the same thing and just be like, Yeah, no, what what, what I did was I went to uh like a, an exhibit for Raytheon. And I, I I did like some some stuff about Hegel, and they seem to quite like it, and they paid me eight billion quid. Fuck off! And then you just kind of keep on keeping on. That's yeah, the, that's have the move. Paid me a hundred thousand pounds to advise them. <laughs> How do you cancel the mega boobs guy? Exactly, he is uncancelable. In fact, they tried to when he first bought the Daily Express back yeah, in two thousand. Which 2000. is why we have George Galloway in Parliament talking about loving sluts. And it didn't matter a f- at all. Well, and the reason it didn't matter was that Richard Desmond donated a hundred thousand pounds to the Labour Party soon after Tony Blair's government approved the takeover yeah, deal. The mega boobs of donations. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, it's just gotten cheaper. <laughs> it just gets cheaper and cheaper. Well, I mean, at least at least he's being corrupt with with both major parties. <laughs> imagine, imagine trying I can't to that's bribe. The Imagine trying to bribe the Blair government with like horses or like twelve grand. I just really like that. It's like <laughs> these sort of these blood-soaked neolibs who are just like fresh off of an arms deal with the Saudis, where they've just like been like, yeah, no, we'll sell you the fucking the the guns, the bombs, whatever. And they come to you and you're like, yeah, no, I I'll give you twelve grand to build a fucking big mega boobs in in. <laughs> it's like, no, Jesus, you have to spend at least a hundred grand to get that kind well, of time. Listen, listen, is- Matt, I've got a bunch of proper gear here. It's four off the back of a lorry, if you know what I mean. It's <laughs> Satin shirts with a uh, print on them that says "Who's your daddy?" Now I'm prepared to give you four shirts. That's for you and three mates if you approve a 14 billion pound property. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's so everything about Richard Desmond, and I mean that having looked at the pornography now, having like read two separate corruption scandals, is so grubby. You know, it's so low rent, and I just, I, yeah, tremendous. Uh, Tony Blair said that, um, uh, quizzed on allegations of links between that £100,000 donation by the newspaper owner and the decision of the trade secretary to not refer the takeover to the competition commission, that there was no reason why he should not have accepted the controversial donation from Mr. Desmond, because if he was good enough to own a newspaper, his money was good enough for the Labour Party. That's so telling. That's wow. so, so telling. Miss- if you are good enough to own, to own well, a newspaper, not work at a newspaper, not actually oh, do a uh, job, but if you are good enough to own it, then you are good enough for the Labour Party. That's so telling. Newspaper confers any kind of moral authority is hilariously dated. Well, it was this was this was the case in 2000 when the Office of Fair Trading would have to decide if a person was fit and proper. (laughs) 
to own is, a company. That is well, the company. That they were that I miss. I miss someone who was competent at lying to the point of like just easily reversing that thing of being like, well, if he gave you that money, doesn't that mean he's uh, like an improper owner? And you simply say, well, we found him to be a proper owner, so that means it was good that we took the money. That's <laughs> yeah. so, that's Zen master shit. And I, I almost missed the fucking asshole. Oh, yeah, because at least, like, he gives you a fun little turnaround. The Tories just publish details of everything they did and are like, all that stuff you said that you think you conclude by reading all this evidence that I published of my own shitty dealings, actually, it exonerates me for reasons I won't explain. Yeah, why don't you go to a fundraiser? Yeah, <laughs> oh. yeah. Why, why don't you just get a promotion and go to a fundraiser? Anyone can conceivably pay that money. What if you went into debt to donate the Tory Party money? It's so wild yeah. to me that the people. Uh, the part of my text where I said I love accepting bribes was actually a typo, and I meant to say I don't love accepting. <laughs> it was an irony. I was clothes. doing bits. It's so wild oh, sorry, to me that. That people like wring their hands about, oh, people don't trust the political system anymore. People don't trust the media class anymore. When just time and again, we see them just say, just say, fuck you. Just like, this is open evidence of corruption, but like, fuck you. What are you going to do about it? There's nothing you can do. So wh why should we not turn around and say, fuck you right back? Like, why is it always the insistence that, oh, we need to like come together and we need to trust you and stuff? It's Where like, is no, Eamon when no. we need him? You've demonstrated time and again that you're just like fucking assholes. Why should we? Uh, a, a good question. Things, you know? things I mean, Keir Starmer will never say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They don't need your because vote. They, they only like, need the vote of Barry Pierce. Yeah, because the thing is, right? Like, well, then all. Uh, number then one, good no, luck to number one, that's Pierce. true. <laughs> yeah, that's true. They only need the vote of Barry Pierce. Number two, right? Like, that's one. That's why you know, like central centrism or liberalism or whatever is so poorly. It's so unable to grapple with questions of just open and obvious rule breaking because it needs to assume that everyone just disagrees and needs to be reconciled, even if there are just some people who realize they can break the rules constantly and just and 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 that's it. So all of these appeals to oh he Keir Starmer is lawyerly and he loves the rules blah 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 like I I, I despair for the future of um of what we're able to oh what they're able to accomplish and also like anyway if. I mean, yeah, you can love the rules all you want, but if the people who are being wronged by the breaking of the rules don't actually have a material system of redress, then what good are the rules? And if the people who are in charge of administering the rules are very happy to break them, it seems, uh, and have been for fucking ever as well. It's not like this was invented in 2016. Fucking Tony Blair, Mr. Like, uh, remain rules-based international order, beloved of the, oh, come back, Tony, blah, 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 beloved of, you know, Andrew Adonis, etc. But he did it 20 years ago. I want to move on to one, to a reading, just to, and a reading that has no overt, nothing that will depress you in this. This is just a fun little bit of nostalgia from you. the Telegraph death call. <laughs> oh, is, it, um, is it Harry Potter? Uh, no, it is oh. Alison Pearson writing about health and safety. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, fucking uh, inject that into the vein between my toes. Sorry, who is, who is Alison Pearson? Oh, uh, one of the dumbest columnists in the entire British columnist. She's also like one of the most incredibly gullible as well. Mm. Like, yeah. she's genuinely she's like, um, just has no idea about what's going on. She, what she did was she replaced. Um, she's the more more respectable uh, person who has a lot of opinions that are very similar to Katie Hopkins. Right. Okay. 
Um, but she's considered more more sort of respectable and acceptable because she's like turned down. Um, she wrote that article about how uh, the ungrateful millennial generation will never accept a lockdown. Uh, anyway. That aged well. She, mm. <laughs> so uh, at its worst, she writes, Twitter can be a snarling bear pit of mutual incomprehension. And that's why I've signed up she- to Parlia. <laughs> <laughs> I I love that they just like show their ass immediately just like well every time I post anything on Twitter people are all furious (laughs) at me I don't know know why this is it probably says a lot about people on Twitter and not about the kind of moronic shit that I post on it (laughs) uh, yeah no every 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 like right wing headbanger loves to begin an article being like people on Twitter can be cruel (laughs) and then Mm. be like go on to advocate for you gun boating migrants anyway uh, every so often, though, it throws up something utterly delightful that has the power to unite us. And so what it, so it was over the weekend when Bo- barrister Joanna Hardy posted a simple question. What is your childhood memory of something that would is cause Paul a health McCartney and safety dead? Over- <laughs> what, is, what, is, what is your childhood memory of something that would cause a health and safety overload nowadays? And now Alison Pearson begins to write a sort of it's like a soft tinted nostalgic version of what I can only describe as like an Edward Gorey picture book. Yeah. I, I love to do when nostalgia was, for child endangerment. That's cool. When I was <laughs> when I was growing up, we had loads of fun with it. It was great. You know, you could go out on the street and you could be hit by a piano that was falling <laughs> from a winch on top of a bit and you and you'd get hit by it and you'd come out and your your teeth would all be piano keys. And then you could carry on walking. Milo. There'd be two blokes, and they'd be carrying carrying a big plank. And one of them would turn around and he'd hit the other one in the head. We had such a laugh. You see, Milo, you sounded like the drug dealer from Withnal and I for that entire impression. Yeah, that's what I was doing. <laughs> yeah. So Hardy went first. Out, on a day out in a country park, she recalled, my parents let my brother and I hire a motorboat on our own in a lake. Cool. We were about four, four or five Mega years moves. old at the time. <laughs> I think they thought it would be gentle. Off we went into the middle of the lake, but then we p- panicked and jammed the steering thing. Uh, did violent donuts in the water, screaming our heads off. I assume That's it was how in they honor invented of the that ferry doing that. Yeah. <laughs> For about 15 minutes until they found a rescue boat, the uh, driver of which was off to lunch. Absolutely traumatized. Imagine the paperwork now. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so man, we should go back to like having like a unattentive rescue reject people. modernity, <laughs> embrace tradition. Back in back <laughs> in the good old days, you could throw your child into the um the uh, the uh, animal enclosure, and they could be eaten by an alligator, and you wouldn't have to do any paperwork. But now you've got to do so much of it. There's a lot yeah, about society these days. Oh, I uh, remember when you Joanna's- used to be able to go on a, on a television show where you could sit on the lap of a nonce. It was sort of a learning <laughs> experience for a lot of children. Joanna's hair-raising story prompted a huge memory rush. So she's getting a Proustian revelry, but the Proustian revelry... Uh, revelry? Shit, now I'm saying it. <laughs> ah, nice. She's gone into a Proustian reverie, but she, instead of remembering sort of details of sense and time, and, and, and feeling no, and so on. she's just eating a ton of madelines. <laughs> she's remembering... <laughs> the smell of exposed wiring brings back to her. <laughs> it's like, what it means is that like, like conservatives get a Proustian reverie from imagining a time before health and safety went mad. Yeah. Uh, scores of respondents cheerfully offered up examples of near-death escapades in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Okay, so just allow starting me to off- stop you at the phrase near-death. Wait, what? Why, why are you nostalgic for a time you almost died? These people are ill. Well, uh, I guess, uh, I'm looking ahead, and they they list all these examples of like 
charming childhood anecdotes of being in danger. But what's the point? I mean, yes, you escaped. Well done. I'm I'm glad that you survived. That's really good. But like, is it not good now that we have systems to prevent people who weren't so lucky? This is just like survivorship bias the column. Yeah, what we need to do is we need to ask the people who didn't survive to give their argument. Paul McCartney, what's your opinion? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Paul. Um, when I was a child, uh, they allowed us in the vicinity of Yoko Ono, despite the obvious dangers. <laughs> <laughs> seaside and swimming disaster. Uh, dangers due to metaphorically killing Paul McCartney, not anything else. Uh, seaside and swimming disasters were commonplace. Windsurfing in the sea off Donegal at summer camp age 14. Offshore wind developed, recalled Sonia. I got blown out to sea. Rescue boatman had gone off for lunch. Oh, sorry, this was the rescue boatman gone off for lunch. Was rescued hours later, suffering from hypothermia. Was told to take a shower and put on an extra jumper. And became powerfully normal as a result. Man, yeah. rescue boat dudes used to have a fantastic union, I guess. Just like <laughs> see, a, see a drowning child be like, quit in time. <laughs> see a drowning child say drowning child and just be like oh no there needs to be seven of us on this boat union rules <laughs> <laughs> they, need, they need to have to three rotate. guys from the sopranos on the boat with them it's <laughs> yeah, so three of the rescue boat jobs are no show yeah uh, attitudes to road safety were also ahem very different also this is just allison pearson just re copy pasting people's tweets uh scores of people recalled being balanced on their father's knee and steering the car home while dad operated the pedals many small children traveled in the boot or back non, of a van sitting on hay bales or clinging to pallets of furniture richard armstrong's recollection took some beating Youth club leader took us on a trip to the countryside. Fifteen of us crammed into a Triumph Toledo, including four in the boot. The last kids in the back had to be slotted in through an open window. Excuse me? What? 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 But, but I imagine other people did that, causing many deaths. I mean, there's something interesting here. I'm, pl I'm thinking about doing a video on risk, so maybe I'll just file this away in my brain. But there's something interesting here about like the way that risks are are like thought of and, and conceptualized now as opposed to a while ago. Like she could have turned this into something interesting about like, well, and now the, the risks that we face and that are used to justify things like coercive policing, for instance, like the, the risk of a terrorist attack is extremely small and yet a lot of money and, and violence is enacted in, in the name of trying to prevent one. Whereas that like other risks, like the risk of an economic crash are deemed to be, well, actually much more likely, but are, are not deemed to be worth taking any kind of action over. So there's something interesting here. There's the grade of an interesting column here in, uh, in risk and and that kind of interesting philosophy, all of which has been ignored in the favor of this kind of like weird survivorship bias nostalgia that doesn't seem to go anywhere. I, I really think you give Alison Pearson too much credit for saying she could have written anything but, you know, some like uh, angry, angry nostalgia about how, you know, it used to be better before they took yeah, the Gollywog. You used to, used to be able to buy a uranium chemistry set uh, and, and just like lick all of the lead paint off it, uh, just like chew on some asbestos. Yeah. It's not even that angry. I mean, I'm reading ahead now. You used to go now. to the toilet while reactor number four was overheating. Well, I think the, the, the implication is that it's angry because the idea is she loves this because just thinking about it would cause all the health and safety bods to have a panic attack. Like It's, it's true. We it's are triggered. Yeah. I, I don't know. I uh, think that's... that's I'm, I'm not seeing that in, in just the bare text unless you've, yeah. unless you've t taken it out. Um, I... Yeah. yeah. I, no, I'm well I'm I'm seeing it in the in the first line where she says a health and safety overload and also understanding the rest of her oeuvre. Mm, well, yeah, I mean um, it just seems it seems like she's just posting content. This is just content. 
Yeah, just, that's it's also just content true. to fill time. Like, Twitter. how much was she paid for this? This is uh, probably a lot. It's pretty basic shit, really. Uh, play- playground equipment was back then was reliably lethal. One person recalled a witch's hat roundabout, also known as a Bobby's hat, what? with twenty kids piled on it as it rotated violently, and small kids ran underneath until kicked senseless. Because it makes sense they call it a Bobby's hat because that then These happened days, again frequently. If yeah. you murder a child, you'll be arrested and thrown in jail. Just for recklessly murdering a child. Reading these stories aloud over Sunday dinner, my partner and I were reduced to helpless tears of laughter. Uh, she doesn't say my partner. She just has one of those weird columnist names where they refer to their partner, and that's just too stupid. Branch. Uh, uh, dead children. How on earth had our generation lived to tell the tale? Presumably, oh, because, nobody, presumably because nobody forced you to live in houses with dangerously flammable cladding. Like, those were the yeah. kind of risks that you were taking. But other people uh, like were forced to take much bigger risks that they didn't survive. Uh, but also, you know, um, uh, 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 a lot of them didn't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it was a miracle. Like it, it, it was a miracle. She says. Sorry, I was going to say. Also, it's like it's like a well-known like time capsule of that time that like loads of people just remember people dying in bizarre, arbitrary accidents. I remember a friend of my nan's. Her husband walked down to the end of the street to make a call in a phone box, and someone who was drunk driving just mounted the pavement and just took out the phone box, and he died. Like <laughs> that was the kind of shit that just like. Can you imagine that happening now? That's just not a thing, right? But like in the 1960s, yeah, who the fuck uses like, phone yeah. boxes? Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess you just get killed in a phone box sometimes. <laughs> Yet somehow we survived, and those brushes with disaster denied to our own sheltered, seat-belted offspring are never to be forgotten. To live dangerously is to live vividly. Okay, fine. Take, yeah. Fucking take the seatbelts off feel- and watch them fly through the windscreen. I feel you know like what, fun. You know what your offspring will remember now? What, what, what they will never forget now is your complacency in the face of much bigger existential risks that they are being forced to face and would rather not. Like, we, how in 50 years' time, we are going to look back and be like, how did we survive the climate change that was inflicted on us and that, that affected some of the poorest people in the world the worst? How did we survive? And actually, a lot of us didn't. I feel, I, so I feel like, like what the, is this article like it's just content it's just like hashtag I like, content i feel like the brushes with death sort of also they're very telling of like what a columnist brain actually is um like you need to have those like near rushes of death to kind of neurological neuro uh you, oh fuck um you need to have those brushes of death in order to kind of like develop the type of columnist posters brain needed to kind of <laughs> rationalize the idea that <laughs> success only comes when you um, when you when you're close to dying in a event that could be perfectly avoidable uh, with even just a little bit of risk management, um, so really what Allison yeah. is doing is just ensuring that like the new generation of unhinged columnists like continues. So in many ways, she is kind of upholding a very important part of both the British economy and the very fine and normal British cultural psyche. Just trying to what gin up says. the adrenaline to write a column by sitting down on my computer and playing Russian roulette before I can type. Say <laughs> <laughs> what you will, but like you know, the, the the writing will be so good that you'll look back on it and be like, "Yep, this is art." It's not necessarily art that I would show people, but it's certainly art. But also, it's like all of the things that she's saying are uh, about like people being killed. It tends to be people having fun, people playing, going on holidays. Again. It's not like the sheer fun of living in a rush of living in Grenfell. Christ. Yeah. Yo, you're, I'm sorry. I thought this was going to be like funny and lighthearted. But no, this is 
actually really depressing. It's just this like one. soft core Fuck. social Darwinism. It's like, oh, like taking the risks and having the competition and like, yeah, some of you might die, but it's a sacrifice that it's ultimately worth it. It's just like, yeah, but it's packaged feel- in this like this yeah. really fluffy nonsense way. Well, it's a risk I'm willing to take so I can feel like I'm living vividly, which is actually another one of Richard Desmond's titles. Um, <laughs> living vividly. Uh, please, here's, here's the, here's the last slide of the article. Please send me your childhood, your childhood before health and safety memories. Liam Halligan and I will read the best one on our podcast entitled Planet Normal. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. Planet Love the podcast. Yeah. You know what? There was a kid in my school. We used to play Conkers. And I remember when, um, when the rule came in about, um, you know, you have to wear you have to wear goggles in order to play Conkers, and everyone's like, oh, it's health and safety gone mad. There's a kid in my school who had his eye damaged by playing Conkers, because a chip of it went in his eye. And he, like, mm, yeah. he's, he was lucky not to lose it. So, I don't know. I think, I think my attitude towards health and safety is the same as Stuart Lee's attitude towards political correctness, in that, yes, sometimes it's kind of a pain in the ass and it's weird, and sometimes it is administered by people who are officious and jobs-worthy, and they just care about ticking the box and, like, little, little tiny authoritarians in high-vis jackets. Yes, of course. But on balance, it's probably done more good than bad. Yeah. I should also point out that Planet Normal is, in fact, just a huge boob that's the size of a planet. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I was going to do two, but we are definitely running out of time. But I want to do one line from the next one, which is by Philip Johnston about coronavirus uh, lockdown relaxation. He says, we were promised Independence Day on July 4th, but remain in chains, even if they are looser than before. Uh, Even when we are freed... Even when we are freed, which will not happen this year because of the government's fear of a second wave, much will have changed. Looking through my wallet yesterday was a Proustian journey into a ha! past life. He couldn't fucking remember the word <laughs> reverie. Uh, uh, photo passes to offices I no longer visit, an oyster card for trains I no longer use, a library card for books no longer borrowed, and even some cash. Again, this is this is Colibus brain, just like opening up your your wallet and looking at your photo card for your office, and just just being transported to a different world. Wait, Man, I really wait. miss going to work. The next sentence, the next sentence is is uh, just contains the the seeds of something beautiful. Will those of us able to work at home ever be allowed to go back in the office, or even want to go for that matter? And it's like, yes, Philip. Now, now you're beginning to ask the interesting questions here. Hmm. Uh, then he goes on to a much less interesting line of, I had thought that once this nightmare was over, we would all be commuting into cities again, eager to return to the camaraderie and woke minefield of modern office oh, life. Woke minefield? <laughs> I love I, I, I hate love when it. I join the fucking besiege and I'm forced to, like, do human woke minefield clearance. <laughs> the modern, the, the, like a modern day Princess Diana just, like, going, going campaigning against the woke minefields where just, like, a poor Afghan <laughs> child will be walking through the poppies and then suddenly they'll accidentally say the n-word and get shot in the head <laughs> jesus yeah the new normal they says our freedoms like cannot selling continue the British to be army dousing rods to detect woke opinions <laughs> our freedoms cannot continue to be restricted by a fixation on our numbers or assumptions that there will be a second wave of the virus which as liam fox said in the comments is merely the continuation of a disease that we cannot get rid of and have to live with the new normal is a world devoid of light with. and liberty. I want the old normal back, please. Well, it's so gone. yeah, b- mostly uh, the the telegraph is just like we want to die. <laughs> <laughs> I love the yes. death drive. <laughs> Fuck the, the yes! Throw me into the volcano. <laughs> I demand to go to TK Maxx. 
<laughs> the Telegraph is just uh, more than any American news channel, more than anything else. The Telegraph is the embodiment of the human death drive. Hundred percent. Yeah. yeah, I want to eat a oh wimpy burger. I do not care how many lives this costs. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to eat at wimpy burger, and I will not wear a seatbelt. No. Absolutely not. No, I will not. I want my children to eat unattended at Wimpy Burger with I people want, who have not been CRB. Yeah, yet. I want to load everyone I've ever known into a phone box in the path of a drunk driver. Mm. <laughs> it is interesting that COVID, COVID has allowed for the opportunity for for people now to write those articles like Alison Pearson, reminiscing about a, like a, an unsafe previous time. But instead of the sixties, now it's just like January. That that time that time has just been like compressed <laughs> with with social distancing uh, rules. When will businesses such as circuses be allowed to reopen? Will it be ever be safe again to fit twenty five men into such a small car? <laughs> <laughs> I remember the good old days of January the first, twenty twenty, when I uh, I could have breakfast, uh, buttery, jammy bread, where I could while I'm eating it, I can stare at the gollywog on the jar. These days, these days you can't have that. These days it's all just. Politically correct, uh, Tarsen lost both his legs in the woke minefield. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Ollie, I'm going to give you this as the last word. What? New official Trash Future segment. Well, I, I, I kind of, again, there's something, there's the grain of something interesting here because I remember a time when you could take liquids on planes. And I remember a time when you didn't have to have your bag checked when you went into the theater. Um, and I remember when all of those little measures were introduced. I remember that it's always we're always told that it's temporary. So I I am interested in this idea there is this nostalgia for this like time before red tape and before regulations and and restrictions on our freedom but it's always of a certain kind it, it, they always seem to like not see some of the other ones and I just think that's quite that's quite interesting and and you can look forward to a forthcoming video in about 3 months when no doubt I'll like I'll I'll talk about it and like wear a thong or something. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, hey, and we're all looking forward to hearing and seeing that. Yeah. So, if you, if you need anybody uh, to guest, I have a fine selection of obscenely obscure, like security uniforms. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Um. So, with all of that in mind, I want to say, uh, Ollie, thank you very much for coming on again. This was delightful as ever. My pleasure. Sorry, I was so angry today. <laughs> no, good. Bring that energy here. Uh, and to all of our patrons, thank you for listening. Uh, well, I hope you had a good time listening to us. Uh, you know all about how uh, there are t-shirts you can email for in the in the description. We're down to the last 50 or so, so they are going to be gone pretty soon. I think a lot of certain sizes might be running low, so get on and if you want one. Yeah, if, if, you are, um, if you are like average shaped, uh, act now because your time is nigh. Exactly. This is... Uh, this is and, and then also, of course... Uh, don't forget, there's always that bail fund link in the description. Um, and otherwise, you know, thank you for being a patron, and we'll see you on the free episode on Tuesday. The theme song is Ginseng. Here we go. Listen to it on Spotify. Listen to it early. Listen to it often. Uh, did I forget anything? Alice, hit us with that drop. Nice. Bunk, loving sluts. Bunk, loving sluts. Bunk, loving sluts.